Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer K. Hill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends. It is such a pleasure to have you back for another episode of Regarding Consciousness, especially as we start off this new year, 2024, which may mark one of the greatest years for human beings, depending on the choices that we make. And what better guest to have us helping to start off the new year than Greg Braden, who is a friend, an amazing thought leader, scientist, five-time New York Times bestselling author, and also recent nominee of the Templeton Prize in 2020. Greg, I love you, my friend. Your book inspired me well over a decade ago before we even knew each other. And it's such a pleasure to get to have you share your wisdom here. Jennifer, thank you so much for the invitation to be on your podcast, for your trust in sharing this conversation with your community. And I say that because the truth is you don't know what I'm going to say. So there's a level of trust there. This is completely unscripted. You and I are dear friends. I am really excited to have this conversation. I think it's an important conversation, Jennifer, and sometimes the important ones are not easy to have. And I think the events of the world are lighting up within each of us uh, on very deep and in in some cases, very primal levels, issues uh, that we now must confront in our own lives Maybe in the past, it was a little easier to look away, but when it lights these things up the way that it is in our communities, and I'm I'm seeing it and I'm hearing it. I've just come back from uh, Italy with Bruce Lipton. Uh, I was in London at the TCCHE conference. Uh, Bruce and I were just in uh, Switzerland, Finder Flow Festival. I was in Peru. And I say that because it's not just America mm-hmm. and it's not any one place. It's universal. It's up for us to come to terms with some of the the most uncomfortable aspects of consciousness and choices that we've made in the past in our personal lives now being mirrored collectively for us. Do you see that in in your work and your travels as well, Jennifer? Very much, Bruce. Oh my gosh, I just called you Bruce because I was like thinking of him. That's okay. (laughs) Bruce and I work together so much that we sign each other's books and we are interchangeable. So that's, you don't even have to, don't even have to edit it out. It's perfect. And I'm honored. I'm honored to be Bruce for a couple of seconds anyway. That's hilarious. I know we actually had Bruce on the show last year. It's so funny. So great to answer your question. It's interesting. I feel as I started off the show by saying it's literally the opportunity for human beings to rise up. And our consciousness, I don't think, has ever been as acutely reflected back to us as it has in these last several months and what we've been seeing on the global scale with Israel, with Palestine, with the state of hatred and divisiveness in the world. And a dear friend of mine here in Lisbon, who is an astrologer himself and a naturopath, and he was sharing with me one of his teachers from Brazil who said, Jennifer, I've been studying this my whole adult life. And I will say that 2024 has this potential to be a catalyst for some of the greatest transformation and growth that all of us on planet Earth have ever seen. And if we don't get our stuff together, it is also going to be cataclysmic because there are repercussions to every choice that every one of us makes at the local and the global level. Because me talking to you right now And if I'm being kind to you, Greg, and if we're having a loving conversation that's filled with coherence and compassion and maybe a little bit of tough conversation, 
yet we're doing it for the greater good, not to gossip, not to belittle, but to uplift sure. another, that's going to add a sesame seed to the side of goodness on the scales of time and people. But every time we gossip, are unkind, are cruel to one another, we're adding a sesame seed on the side for evil. And I think that's what you and I were talking about right before we came on, is this is yeah. literally an epic battle for good and evil around the world right now. Jennifer, I love the way you think. And I, I, I couldn't agree more. There, <clears throat> humans are strange in many ways. And one of the ways that has been so profound in my life experience is that for some unexplained reason, we seem to need to experience what we don't want before we choose that we don't want it, rather than choosing what we would like to have and putting our time and energy and focus and thought and emotion into achieving what we do choose to have. We're like little, I, I feel sometimes like we're like mice in a collective maze where we go down this path and we say, oh, global war, he didn't want that. And you back up and say, oh, another global war, didn't want that. Oh, Holocaust, didn't want that. Rather than saying, let's work together and have a beautiful world when we think, I was just having this conversation with a friend the other day, what would this world look like if America and Russia and China and Iran worked together with all of the intellect and the technology and the history and the background that we all have to create the most beautiful world possible because we care about our friends and loved ones? Literally think of what that world would look like if we didn't have the conflict and the competition. And What's very apparent to me right now is that we could have chosen a different path that led us somewhere very different from what has happened in Israel on October 7th. That's up for us right now, so I'll address that specifically. And we didn't. We didn't choose to address head-on. We were making exceptions, and we were making some people just burying their head in the sand because it's easier to do that. And now. We're living the consequences of those choices, and we're in it. And once you're in it, Jennifer, the only way out of it is to go through it. Mm -hmm. So I believe it didn't have to happen this way, and now that it has, we have this opportunity in front of us. We're all going to get through it. The question is, what do we become in the presence of what life is now brought to our doorstep? What do the events of October 7th in Israel, or if you want to look at Ukraine and Russia, or if you want to look at what's happening in, in Sudan, I mean, there are many places we could look. Israel's the focus right now. What do those events make us into? Do we succumb to the primal instincts of hate and rage and revenge and there are people that have criticized me for this conversation because they say, Greg, if you fight and you take a life, what difference does it make? So I'm going to, I believe this is a deeply spiritual conversation and it's one that we can have. I love your audience. You have a very informed and a very deep, deeply spiritual audience. So we can have this conversation. Mm -hmm. When we take a life and there are times we have to fight and there is a warrior within all of us hopefully it's always the last resort. There are times we do have to fight. The question is, when we fight, do we fight because we have succumbed to those primal instincts of hate and rage and retribution and revenge, or do we fight 
from the love of what we know is possible in the world and what we know in our hearts is possible. And, and this comes down for me, there's an ancient battle you and I were talking about between good and evil. We all know that. It's been playing out from the very beginning. We, we live in a polarity world. So we're going to have that that good and that evil. The question is, when the evil shows up in our lives, <clears throat> do we give in to that evil? And I have friends, I'm amazed at how some of my friends, how quickly they became polarized and bought into some of the narratives and the the narratives that are driving them to become something that they're not. I know these people and they're becoming something that they're not. And I think this is what we all have to ask ourselves, Jennifer, is what do I become in the presence of what I have witnessed in the world? And I think we'll all get through it again. There's going to be a time when this is behind us. The question is what remains of our souls? What remains of our divinity? Did we compromise our soul and our divinity in exchange for hate? And I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think it's a question that we all have to answer for ourselves. And I think this is what's up for everyone right now. Does that make sense if I say it that way? It, it makes perfect sense, Greg. In fact, you're tying into something Neil Dahl Walsh and I were talking about. He was debating, God, I love my friends like you, Neil, everybody who I invite what I call positive resistance. So Neil and I were talking and I was sharing about a friend who was holding on to anger and he said, and I was talking about how it could destroy you. But Neil started arguing with me about there is a time and a place to be angry when it propels you forward, like Martin Luther King Jr., for example, where it causes you then to cause a transformation in the world, Gandhi, whomever it is. And so the question becomes, to your point, yes, there are times where we do have to take action where we might have to defend ourselves or another in a position that we would never expect to be in. And it reminds me of what one of my Kabbalistic teachers told me years ago. Anything you do in life, whether it is fighting for a cause you believe in, defending someone or something with your life, the question is, are you doing it from love or are you doing it from fear? And exactly. that's my question. Could we come at this from a place of love? Could we fight this fight from love instead of wrong-making, blame-making, shame-making? And how do we transform our own consciousness? Because what we're really seeing, Holographic Universe 101, is our own consciousness reflected to us in the collective. Uh, Jennifer, I agree. And this is one of those places, spirituality and guruship and spiritual teachings are easy when life is easy and when the world is easy. We are in a very difficult place right now where evil has reared its ugly head. And I'm just going to, to share this from my perspective, one man's perspective. I was in a hotel room in London, October 7th, preparing to go and speak on stage in front of a live audience at a conference when the news feeds began coming in of what had happened in Israel, and they weren't even complete. They were just the, the beginning news feeds. They were coming in from Asia, from the Middle East, mm -hmm. and some European feeds. <clears throat> and when I got back to the hotel that night, then because of the time zones, America came online, CNN, MSNBC. And I have to tell you, and I'll tell our community right now, America is not seeing the full extent and the truth of what happened on October 7th, America is not being allowed 
to see those because it is so offensive to our senses and it's so hard to embrace. Now, some of it is because the algorithms of censorship in social media will mm. not allow the images because they violate community guidelines. That's part of it. Part of it is there are political narratives that are being driven, but the bottom line is America is not being allowed to see it. And because America is not being allowed to see it, America, many people in America don't know what actually happened. And that's being reflected in, in political narratives and discourse. You're seeing it's very clear that they don't know what it is that has happened. What I saw, and I haven't seen all of it, is absolute pure evil. And it, it cannot be justified in any way. And there are no moral equivalencies to what happened. What humans did to other humans, and it wasn't even about death, Jennifer. Death was the ending consequence after as much hurt and pain and suffering had been extruded from those bodies as possible. Then death was the consequence. It wasn't about killing people. That is pure evil. And from my perspective, we've got to draw a line. We cannot tolerate that evil in our hearts, in our lives, in our societies. And the way we get to this place is we are such loving and tolerant beings, Jennifer. We've seen the foundations of this in the past, and we didn't want to see it. We look away. We make excuses. We call ourselves tolerant and forgiving, and we are, because we're humans are good people in general. But when we begin making those excuses, then our line in the sand for evil then gets shifted a little bit, and that's the new baseline. They would say, I don't like it, but you know, that's what, and then pretty soon you're over here, and pretty soon you're over. Pretty soon you've accepted things that you would never tolerate in a million years, and it becomes normalized in our society, and we're seeing that happen, and it becomes normalized in our lives, and then you see on October 7th. So from my perspective, I believe it's a powerful opportunity, and it's, I'm not saying it's easy. We cannot let that evil stand, and we cannot tolerate that in our societies, yet we don't want to succumb to what that evil can turn us into to make us become hateful beings because that's not our nature. We cannot let that evil make us into something that we are not by our nature. And I think this is really what's up for us when we are on the other side of whatever it is, whatever that looks like. And we'll get through it. There'll be a time we're looking back and this is history. What have we become as communities and society? Have we succumbed? Do we become hateful people? And I use that word. There are other words I could use. Or do we look back and say, we, we did what we did from the love of life and from the love of what's possible and the beauty of harmony, of coherence, of us working together as a planet where that evil cannot find a place. It's not an easy conversation. And I take a lot of hits for having that conversation. But Jennifer, for me, this is the whole thing. We have people that look to us and they're following us because they trust us. If we can't have an honest conversation when the times are bad, uh, then what good are these teachings? And so together as community and society, we will be stronger and we get to choose as individuals and as a community, how we respond to, to what life has just brought to our doorstep, because it's there. It's there. 
You can't look away, can't bury your head in the sand just because it's difficult. And so I, I appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation. This is just my one man's opinion. And I, I've struggled. I'm struggling with this. I've, I've had more tears in the last three weeks. And I know many of, of our friends have. And I, it's not about Palestinians and Israelis, but people are trying to, to link this to Palestinians and Israelis. This is something deeper. It is an effort, uh, an organized, funded effort to bring hate to the world. What a lot of people don't know is that the, the peace in the Middle East was moving along in a really beautiful way. And many of the Arab countries were about to sign, including Saudi Arabia, were about to sign a document that recognized Israel as a nation to normalize trade and commerce and travel across borders that would have been a beautiful thing to promote the cooperation that, that we all want. <laughs> and there are nations that don't want that. And some of those nations now are implicated in funding what happened on October 7th to break the bonds of trust so that those agreements would not be signed and those relationships would not be normalized. We cannot let evil steal from us the opportunity that was presented during that time. It's going to take time, but we can't let that evil do that. And that's precisely right now, that's what is happening. All of those nations have backed away now from those, they were called the Abraham Accords. They've backed away from those treaties because there's so much hurt, Jennifer. And sadly, societies have never been taught how to heal the hurt in a healthy way. So the hurt becomes fear that's expressed as hate. And what we're seeing, the hate that we're seeing in the world right now is actually a very deep hurt that has not been resolved. And, and I think this is the opportunity that you and I are talking about because it lights up for us the unresolved hurts in our own life. How can we heal our own hurts and our own fears, feeding that into the field that is collectively influencing everything that's happening in the world? And I think that is the flip side. That's the beauty of the opportunity that we have now because our communities know how to do that. We have the science that backs it through coherence, through the Institute of Heart Math, through mm -hmm. Coherence Pulse that you're part of and that I participate in sometimes. So there's a lot going on. It's a big conversation and it's not always easy. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation. Yeah, Greg, you're, it's funny. This is so apropos given something I recently posted. I was on the couch, giggling, laughing, enjoying a moment of just freedom and liberation with my husband, right? We're laughing. And often, Greg, I'll, we'll make up words. You say a made up word and you're like a chabuli. And so my husband looks at me and he says, honey, what's a chabuli? And the story came to me, Greg, and it just strikes me as very, being very poignant for right now. So out of the blue, the story of the chabuli came to me which is this little creature that is covered in spike, needle spike. And it is so dangerous that humans and animals alike are terrified of this spiky little creature that only comes up above ground into the sunlight once a year beneath the shadow of a big cactus, right? Otherwise, it lives predominantly in the dark. And the secret, though, of this little critter is that he's not, he's not dangerous at all. These spikes are actually just to protect him because he's mm. actually a soft, sweet, cuddly little creature 
that just wanted to protect himself. And to me, like this came to me a couple of weeks ago, and it dawns on me that we are like the Tribulis, where my husband, as soon as I told him the story, he's, honey, you're a Tribuli. And I said, oh, my love, we're all kind of Tribulis at some level, because that's what the hate is. The hate causes us to bristle and put the spikes around us to protect ourselves. Don Miguel Ruiz said it so beautifully in the book, Mastery of Love. He shared a story in the book where he said, as human beings, what we don't realize, the reason we are so hateful and so activated by other human beings and reactive is the fact that it's like we're walking around and we're covered from head to toe, Greg, in third degree burns, our body. So if you get too close to me and you on my third degree burn, then I'm going to react in a way that seems unnecessary given what's happening. And so I really, what I hear you sharing in all of this, Greg, is that Hate is almost more dangerous of a virus than COVID right now. It's a virus that has proliferated our society, and that is the virus that will kill us all. And it's not going to be a long wait in a hospital. It's going to be a global catastrophe if we don't work on the hate in our own hearts and learn to lessen the spikes and and understand that we're all walking around with these third-degree burns, afraid of being touched for fear of being hurt. Yes. Yeah. The hate that is the consequence of unresolved hurt. Yes. That's the key exactly. to, to heal the hurt with within all of us. And we all have hurt. We all have trauma. And it's not something you want to wake up and think about at the breakfast table every morning necessarily. It comes up in different ways in our lives in our lives, but what has happened right now, our response to that hurt is playing out through technology, it's playing out through social media, it's playing out through global policies, it's being played out through United Nations policies, through laws that are being enacted. They're all based, when you think about this, they're all based on the way we think. Mm -hmm. The way the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves and believe. That is what all of these things are based upon. And we have told ourselves consciously and subconsciously stories of deep hurt that has never been resolved. Fortunately, in our communities, we are only beginning to open the door to the tools that we have at our disposal to heal our individual hurt. Sadly, nations have not yet reached that. Even our society Jennifer, after COVID, we were never given the opportunity to mourn what we lost during COVID as a society. And and when I say that, it doesn't have to be a big outpouring of of emotion and sadness. The mourning is simply an acknowledgement that we live in a different world and things that we used to have no longer are available. Some of us lost friends. I lost my mom to Mm -hmm. COVID and some of us lost family members and friends And some of us were blessed to lose no one, but we still lost a way of life. We still lost freedoms, and we've never been given the opportunity to mourn that loss as a society. So there are opportunities, and I'm not judging it wrong, good or bad, but I think there are opportunities now on a a societal level to step up to the plate and to embrace a deeper healing. And... If we choose not to, I think the consequences of that are we're seeing play out, not just on October 7th. That happens to be the most recent, but it's not the only one. So it's a difficult place to be. And I think because we're in it, 
and we have to go through it, that means it's up for everybody right now. And I think the healthiest thing to do is to embrace it head on and look at our own hurts, why we feel the way we feel about those hurts. And then each of us learns differently. We all learn differently. And that's the beauty. There's so many different teachings because we all learn differently. My words based in science may not work for someone who's lived in an ashram in India for most of their adult life, whose language is based more in, in experience. So that's why there's so many different teachers. The point is, for the most part, as individuals, we have the tools. The question is, do we love ourselves enough to embrace the tools that we've learned in our lifetime to transcend, not just to stop and bury, and not just to to make it go away, but to actually become more than the hurt that has come to us in our lives. And to the degree that we can do that, who are the people that are fighting? They're us. So to the degree that we can do that, we anchor the bridge in the field for other people to make it more accessible for that healing. But I want to be really clear, and this I've been criticized about this, spirituality and forgiveness and healing does not negate the need to fight sometimes, to resist the evil that's out there. And I think that's a big misnomer that a lot of people feel if we're spiritual beings that we never stand up for the things that we believe in, that we just roll with the punches and go with the flow. I think that can work in some places, and there are places that it doesn't. And I'm the product of a generation. I lost my family and members of my family in the middle of the 20th century to hate that was breeding through Europe during that time. And sadly, we're not really sharing a full history of our world with our young people in schools right now. I've talked to young people that have no idea that kind of hate and those atrocities have happened in the past and how fragile peace really is and how fragile the ability to live freely really is because that's all they've known. They don't know that it can be lost because they were never taught that in schools, sadly. So for we have a young generation now who are seeing this for the first time, but we also have an older generation that know this is an old story. It's an old story that is rising again because it's never been healed. And I think as we build a new world, Jennifer, we all know that new world is coming. We don't want to carry this generational hurt into that new world. Mm -hmm. We don't want to carry the anger and the hurt into that new world. And so now we have an opportunity. Here's a generation. We could, you've heard the expression, the buck stops here. What we can say is the hurt stops here with me. And we have the tools now to heal generational hurt as well as our own personal experiences. And I think if you're on planet Earth right now, this is what you signed up for. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think you signed up for the easy ride. I think if you're here now, it's because you have a soul that has the strength and the wisdom and the courage to look this world square in the eye and choose what goes forward into the new world and make a stand where we need to make a stand. I believe that with every, every fiber of my being, Jennifer. I think that's where we are right now. Mm -hmm. 
I think what I'm being called to share with our listeners at this moment, Greg, is for every one of us to get curious. Don't just assume what we're hearing is always the truth and get curious and ask yourself, is this moving us closer to peace or away from it? Whether it's you fighting with a neighbor in your own backyard or your sibling or your spouse or whomever it might be or your best friend, every act of aggression contributes to the overall acts of aggression that we see playing out on the global scale. So I invite us all just to ask ourselves, how can we approach every single situation and look for the good in people and situations and fight the fights that need to be fought and fight those fights from love? So great. From love. Absolutely. And the second question is, what do I allow myself to become in the presence of this experience? Hmm. Because at the end of the at the end of the world, when we are no longer in these physical bodies, it's the energy of those choices that moves forward, and and that's the the spiritual nature of, of what we're experiencing right now. So Jennifer, I just want I, to thank you. I, I sense you're we're coming to a close. And I want to honor your time. I, I want to thank you for your trust. This is unscripted. We didn't know where this would go today, <laughs> but we trust one another, and I think we love one another enough to be able to share from our hearts between us what we feel is healthy for our community as well and i just want to thank everyone listening for all that you're doing to be the best version of yourself to create the best world possible that's really all, all we can do here and we all do it in our own ways and that's what makes it that's what makes it worthwhile that's what gets me up in the morning and juices me for the day so thank you for that i want to acknowledge you greg on behalf of humanity thank you for your courage thank you for still Having the ability to be strong in a time where it's easy to collapse your voice and not allow your voice to be heard. And thank you for standing in the truth of your voice so that you are giving others permission to do the same. I am so honored and grateful to know you, my friend. What you don't know is it's really good for me to hear that today. It's been a tough day. So thank you so much, Jennifer. I appreciate it. I look forward to our next. I love you, my friend. To all of you out there watching, listening, please share forward. This is a conversation that needs to happen, that has to happen for all of us to evolve into the cooperative, coherent society that is not just a phantom dream, but is the real possibility of the earth we are moving towards. So please check out Greg's work, Greg Braden. He's written five best-selling books and many other wonderful books. You can find a lot online with him. And it is always a pleasure and an honor and a privilege that you shared your listening with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much.